0: Well right. good morning church. Goodness, that video we just watched was pretty incredible, was it not? Um, One of the things that she said in the video, and has been a prayer uh, of mine for this church, is this church has always been a very generous giving church. But I wish, and I I pray, and I hope that the Lord will turn us into a a giving uh, church in the fact that we send missionaries, not just send money. And so, I, I just bring that up because maybe the Lord is calling someone in this room to go and um, and you've been hesitant and um, maybe maybe today maybe a little bit about what i 'm going to share with you uh, might have something hopefully the Lord stirs your heart in uh, going where He might be calling you so uh, my uh, my sermon this morning is going to talk about co- connecting the dots. Of Christmas. Now, have you ever played one of those connect-the-dots puzzles or illustrations or any of that kind of stuff? So my daughter, who's three years old, who is not in here at the moment. Oh, she's in the back. So she loves right now doing all kinds of different, you know, puzzles and painting and all kinds of stuff like that. And the connect-the-dots, I have some images for you. They're, they're those, uh, if you want to throw one of them on the screen. So it's something like this, where you have to connect the dots and... And uh, I, I can bet you probably know what that is, right? What, what is it? A dinosaur. It's a T-Rex. Exactly. Or at least probably a T-Rex. Um, let's see what the next one is. Okay, so this one's a little bit more difficult. So it's got more dots. And I heard someone say Spider-Man. Exactly. It's Spider-Man. I think I even have a Christmas one or two in here. This one's really hard to make out, right? Um, it's a Christmas tree, right? And you could, you could see it even more if all the dots were connected. I think I have another one. Can anyone guess what that one is? Also a Christmas tree, just a more difficult one. And then uh, I actually have an image. Turn, can you turn off the lights? This is said to be the most difficult uh, connected dots in the world, because there are no dots. No, um... <laughs> Um, so if you are able to see them, uh, our, it looks like our projector cannot quite make the dots because uh, they're really, really small. If you look on the TV behind you, if you just want to take a look back there. Um, so you can see lots, thousands of little dots. It is, it is not a reindeer. Um, it is said to be the most difficult one. If you go to the next image, we should have, can anyone guess? Yes. Yes. So, that one, quite literally, I think it's said to have like 10,000 dots that are connected. Um, now you can bring the lights up. Um, so, the thing that's interesting about connect the dot puzzles is that the artist knows what's being drawn, but you don't. And you have to meticulously and obediently go from dot number one to dot number 2, to dot number 3, all the way to 10,000 in order to see the beautiful image that the Creator was seeking to make. And so um, the title, like I said, of my sermon this morning is Connecting the Dots of Christmas. We're going to be in Galatians. If you have your Bible, you can open it to Galatians chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 4 and 5. I'm sure it it is verses that you've heard plenty of times before, but we're going to look there, Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5, I also have it on the screen. And the word of the Lord says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Let's just read it one more time because it's so short. But when the fullness of time had had come. That is big. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Let me pray for us, Father. On this Christmas morning, I ask that um, that you speak to us. We are here to worship you, um, to thank you, and to hear from you. And so, Lord, as we open your word and as we unpack it, as we uh, ponder upon uh, the incarnation in Christmas, Lord, we just ask that you uh, stir our hearts and affection towards you and that we hear from you this morning. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So my goal for this sermon this morning is to show how God sovereignly works um, all things together for uh, his good purpose— and that we should obediently trust Him as the ultimate artist who's painting something beautiful. So my first point this morning is that we are to be obedient in the inconvenient. Um, in, obedient in the inconvenient or uncertain. So today, uh, we all know the Christmas story well. I'm sure you know uh, the story well, but I, sometimes we kind of just skate past the Christmas story because we've heard it so much, and we stop, we, we stop thinking about what it would be like if we were in similar scenario, if we were Mary or Joseph. um, And we, we fail to realize how really inconvenient the call of God upon Mary and Joseph actually was. So if we think about it, Mary was just likely a teenager who was betrothed to Joseph in what was likely an arranged marriage of some kind. And um, before she even marries him, they're just engaged, and before she even marries him, an angel shows up and says, Mary, you're going to have a baby, but it's not going to be with Joseph. And she's like, how is this going to happen? I haven't married him yet. And, um, and she, you know, the angel explains that this baby is going to be from the Lord. and. I'm sure what probably entered her mind was, what? Why? Why not wait a little while? Why why now? Uh, this is really not a good time, Lord. Um, I, I'm I'm going to be married to him really soon, but if I'm pregnant outside of my marriage, that could ruin my reputation. And how is he going to believe me? I mean, is he going to believe me? Is he going to call off the wedding? What's going to happen? I'm just a young woman. I can't do this on my own. I need a man. But if I'm pregnant outside of our marriage, this is going to be called off. What is going to happen? That's probably what would have entered my mind or your mind. But instead, when Mary encounters the angel, that's not what enters her mind. We see after the the angel Gabriel tells her what's to happen, um, she says in Luke 138, "Behold, I am the servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word." The time, timing of it all couldn 't have been worse. Her future was ended, but she decided to be obedient to God, over seeking convenience. With Joseph, we can see the same thing, right? that uh, the timing couldn't have been worse for him. He's in the same marriage situation as well, but also he has a reputation to think about. He's a tradesman. He's a carpenter. And in that world, your, your name and reputation is everything. If you're not known as uh, someone who could be trusted, then how would they ever hire you? Why would they ever hire you? And so now he's in a situation where his betrothed is going to have a child, and he can call off the wedding and maybe then he can save some of his reputation or if they go through with the wedding then um, then people are going to kind of do the math and figure out that the baby came before the wedding and then he's not going to be seen as a trustworthy person and so he's thinking and working through all of this and then an angel comes to him in a dream and tells him all that is to happen and Joseph's response is similar to Mary's. In Matthew 124, when Joseph woke from his sleep, um, he, this is what Matthew 124 says, When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So for Mary and Joseph, the timing of God's movement couldn't have been more inconvenient. It couldn't have been more uncertain. But their response wasn't to wait it out, to think about it for a few months, to make a pros and cons list, or anything like that. The response was obedience. Their response was yes. So as Christians, God's call upon our life is not always promised to be convenient. And I know it's easy for us to think lots of times um, that it is supposed to be that way. That if you follow God with your life, then everything is going to work out exactly how you want it to. Um, but that's just not the case. We can see that through many lives that we see in Scripture, that God calls these people to live for Him, and when they do respond in obedience, it isn't perfect. It's often messy, and it's often very inconvenient, uh, sometimes leading to persecution or all kinds of other things. And so God it doesn't always call us to obedience, but with Mary and Joseph, uh, they stepped out in obedience not knowing the full picture that God was painting. They simply obediently connected the dot to the, where, from where they were to the next one, not knowing that God was going to paint something beautiful and grand through the birth of this baby. That something incredible was going to happen. And as Christians, there are many times where God calls us to do something that we don't know why. Or we, or we, we see that he's calling us to it, and it's really inconvenient, or it's going to bring more uncertainty, or it's going to uh, really disrupt our plans. But we're called to respond in obedience and trust that God, um, in his timing, always works his plans for good. And so my hope this morning is that you see wherever you are in life, whatever the inconvenient thing God might be calling you into, maybe as I brought up earlier, it is to be a missionary. God might be calling you to the mission field. That is oftentimes very inconvenient. You have to uproot your life. I have a friend from our church back in San Marcos um, that that just recently did that, and uprooted him and his four children, him and his wife and his four children from Austin, and moved to an undisclosed location in the Middle East to be missionaries. Uh, Very inconvenient in a lot of ways, but yet they were responding in obedience, trusting that God can and does use our obedience during difficult circumstances to accomplish great good in His timing. So how is God calling you to that next dot? Point two this morning is that God's timing is perfect, always perfect. God's timing is always perfect. Our passage says that when the fullness of time had come. Now what makes this the fullness of time when Jesus was born? Why is it then that's the fullness of time? So I want to give you a little bit, a tiny little bit of a history lesson as to this time of the world. Um, Jesus timing that he comes, that God brings forth Jesus through Mary, is the right time politically, culturally, spiritually. There's more to it, but I'm just going to unpack just a little bit. So it's the right time politically, because Jerusalem was under Roman rule at that time. And uh, one thing that's really interesting about Romans is, uh, as opposed to the Babylonians and, and other cultures that ru- ruled over Judea, they actually allowed other religions to, to happen. So they allowed you to worship whatever God you wanted to worship, as long as you acknowledge that Caesar was the king over all kings and the Lord over all lords. He was above all of them. Except for, in Roman law, there was a special provision given for Jews, for Judaism. Because, in fact, the, the law kind of articulates this idea that uh, Jews were so hard-headed about their one God that they would not submit to Caesar as the God above them. So, all other religions had to see Caesar as the Lord of Lords, except for those hard-headed Jews. And what's interesting about that idea that's really cool is that Jesus comes on the scene during this about 150 to 200 year span where Jews are given this special provision under Roman rule. And during that span, Jesus comes on the scene. He lives, he dies, he does, he's resurrected, and all of that. And then as Christianity is birthed, it's birthed as a sect, of Judaism. So it's also given that same provision. And so Christians are able to go out through the Roman Empire and declare Jesus as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and they're not persecuted like many other religions would have been, because there was special provision given in the Roman law. It's interesting. Um, Also, during this time, it was a time of peace within the Roman Empire. So Augustus Caesar took the throne in 25 BC, and he ushered in a time of unprecedented peace up to that point. There was a lot of uh, civil war that was happening within the Roman Empire, and when Augustus Caesar took the throne, all of that ended, and there was peace. And during that time of peace, there was a lot of beautiful things that happened within the Roman world. So Rome is able to build their economy. They were able to build an intricate system of roads that interconnected all the different regions of Rome and areas of Rome to the rest of the world. And then also with that, because they had uh, soldiers who were no longer out and fighting wars or fighting civil wars, they were able to use those soldiers to do a little bit more policing. And so within the Roman Empire, there was a lot more peace, there was less gangs, and there was less violence that happened within the society, because the Roman soldiers were able to do a lot more peacemaking, and so, or peacekeeping. And so during this time, Um, there were some beautiful things that could happen culturally. So the Roman road opened trade with societies all over the world, and because of this uh, robust trade that first entered into Rome during this period, of about a hundred years leading up to Jesus, um, during this time also Greek became the lingua franca. It became the uh, global, or of that area of the globe, trade language. Meaning that people could interact with those who were of a different society for the first time, and They could communicate with them. They could tell them about who Jesus is in a language that people from every culture would know. Um, Historians also speculate during this time, shortly after Jesus lived, um, that the literacy rate in the Roman Empire was the highest, uh, potentially the highest of any ancient civilization ever. They don't know that for sure, but based on some different things they have found, they think and they speculate that somewhere around 20%, um, close to 20% of the population was literate. Now, today in America, we I think we're at like 98% literate, so it's much less literate than we are. Um, but in the ancient world, that is really, really high. And the reason why that's important is because as the the apostles wrote letters to the churches after Jesus. Uh, he, they would, Paul and Peter and John and, and the apostles would send these letters out to the different churches. Then someone within the church was literate, so they could actually get before the church and read it. This is one of the first times in all of history where that was a capability. And so there are these, this ability for the people for the first time to be a people of the Word of God because the Word of God could be declared when they gathered. Um, all of this is happening at this moment when Jesus comes about. It was also the right time spiritually. Um, in the centuries prior to Jesus, Greek philosophers like Socrates and Plato and Aristotle did a good job of challenging people's answers to the big questions Of life like what the meaning of life actually is why are we here they challenged those things and I read a pastor this week who brought up the idea he said um, I quote him uh, the Greek philosophers plowed the fields of the human heart and Christ and his followers then sowed the seeds of meaning God used the Greek philosophers to up in people's philosophy of life And Jesus was able to come in and sow the truth. If we were to do an in-depth study about why this moment was the fullness of time, why God chose then to bring forth Jesus, I think we would see evidence all over the place that God chose the perfect moment. We could spend a lot of time. We're not going to do any more. But I bring all this up this morning because as we connect the dots of Christmas, I pray that you take time to connect the, go- the dots of how God is moving and has moved in your own life. If we slow down to think about how God has worked in our lives in the past, we can connect the dots and see that he's used our obedience in his perfect timing to accomplish great things. And once we do, as we see how God has worked in our lives and, and during the times of uncertainty and inconvenience, then it gives us confidence to move forward in obedience. As one of my favorite worship songs says, we look back and see that God is faithful, and now we look ahead, believing that He's able. And so that's the response. And I want to share an example briefly with you um, about that in my own life. So when God was calling me into pastoral ministry, um, I knew that and felt confident that the Lord was calling me to be a senior pastor. And I, I didn't know when that time was going to be, but I knew it wasn't then. I was 23 years old, and I knew that there was no way I could be a senior pastor at that moment. But I knew that the Lord was leading me to that point. And so I went to seminary, and I began serving in pastoral roles in my church, and, and uh, knew that the Lord would uh, continue to work in me and call me to the right place, to the right church, the right time. And so I just needed to be obedient in the process of that. And so, like I said, I went to seminary. Um, Eventually, the Lord brought me here into this amazing church and you guys. And um, I have loved being here. And uh, during this time, the four and a half years that we have been here, I have been able to be mentored by two incredible pastors. Cliff and Dan have really uh, just really mentored me, taken me under their wing. Cliff has let me... uh, let me have great input into the leadership of the church. He didn't have to do that, but he, he brought me into that um, and has has really uh, guided me through this whole process and helped me grow as a pastor. I was also, while here, be, I was able to work and start my doctoral uh, project and, and a doctoral program. And so I was able to further my education and uh, through encouragement from Cliff and through you guys. You guys supported me in that. That's incredible. Um, and then also, you know, we were able to have our children, our two girls here. Um, they're in the back. They're playing right now. <laughs> um, but uh, but yes, they uh, we were able to have our, our two little girls here, and God has taught and worked in me so much through that. And you guys have been so supportive of us raising our girls here. And, and uh, you guys just— this church has been so supportive of us. I, I can't even—if I was to sit down, and maybe I should do this, is sit down and just begin to write out all the ways that this church has loved and supported us, um, I, it would make many, many pages, I'm sure. Um, but this church has been so supportive. But around—not uh, but. Uh, the good news is around nine months ago, we felt that the Lord had— been working for the nine years from when he had called me into pastoral ministry until that moment that god had been working and laying the groundwork for uh, leading me into a senior pastor role and we felt that that groundwork had been done and that the lord might be calling me into that place and we didn't know where it was going to be and i was hesitant to even look, because I wasn't quite done with my doctoral program. In fact, right now, I, I've finished all my writing, but it's not yet approved. Um, so I still have some defense, and I still have some approval stuff to do, but I'm, I'm pretty much done with everything. And uh, But I wasn't at that time, and so I was hesitant to apply to any churches or anything like that. But God, in His perfect timing, um, ended up dropping something in my lap, in the sense that um, my uncle, who I had interned with as is a pastor, I had interned with him years earlier when the Lord first called me into ministry. I didn't know what to do, and so I, I called up my uncle and said, hey, I don't know what to do. I feel like the Lord's called me into pastoral ministry, and he said, well, come hang out with me for a few months, and then you can figure it out. And so he just wanted some free labor. Um, But I did. I I went and uh, interned at his church for a few months. And during that time, I remember thinking, how cool would it be if one day my uncle retired from this church and that I ended up being the guy who replaced him as the senior pastor? That would just be so cool. And so whenever he announced his retirement about nine months ago, I thought, okay, Lord, well, I've kind of thought about this and waited for this, and so I'm going to apply. And so that was at First Baptist Church of Willis, which is not the place that the Lord is calling us to. Instead, uh, in that time, Karen encouraged me. She said, well, if you're going to apply for that, you might as well just look and see what other things are out there. And so I did. Um, I thought that was wise. And so I applied for five churches, five churches total. And um, all of them, I was hesitant to do so because, like I said, the timing didn't seem perfect if any of these churches were to call me, it would be inconvenient, because I was still working on my project. In fact, I was in the middle of my doctoral project, and um, it would be a lot to try to make that transition. But I did so anyways, and I started the interview process with these five churches, and one of them was First Baptist Church of Texas City. Uh, which is where the Lord is calling us. And what's funny is whenever I first applied to all those five churches, I remember telling Karen, okay, I've applied to these five churches. This is their website, their Facebook, all that stuff. Just look them over, look at the town online, all that kind of stuff. And uh, so she did that. And then I got home that day and I said, okay, of all the churches of those five, which one do you just feel the most drawn to? Thinking that she would say First Baptist Willis, which is where my uncle was. And she said, actually, you know, it's funny. I thought it would be Willis, but it's First Baptist Church, Texas City. And I was like, me too! That's so funny that we're both on the same page there. Um, Maybe the Lord is working in that direction. But I remember telling her, but they're never really going to consider me because I don't have experience as a senior pastor. Um, And that more than likely they're going to hire a guy who's got you know, 10 or more years experience as a senior pastor and whatnot, and so um, we're probably not going to go there, but that would be cool. And, um, and so the interview process started with all five churches, um, and when Texas City first in, interacted with me, I remember thinking, wow, well, this is interesting. I didn't expect this. Um, so we interviewed for a little bit, and they expressed to me, Pierce, we really like you. We really feel like the Lord uh, has his hand on your ministry. Um, but we have narrowed our field down to just a handful of candidates, and there's an anomaly with you. You are different than those few other candidates, because they all have like 10 or more years experience as a senior pastor, and you don't. And so uh, we really believe in you, but we feel like it would just be prudent and wise of us to consider them first. And so we're going to do that. And so, um, that was it? So they things off with me and they began the process with these three other guys and uh, started the process with them and uh and so i thought that was that was it and so i continued to interview with these other churches these other four and the lord made it really clear uh fairly quickly that he wasn't calling us to those other churches and so we didn't know what to do we just thought okay lord well you may just be calling us to stay here longer and that is okay with us we love being here and so uh, we felt confident that we were happy either way because the Lord had us in a wonderful situation here. And so we uh, were happy with that. And then a few months later, Texas City reached back out to me and said, So what's interesting is we've kind of done the whole interview process with these other guys who had more experience. We've gone to their churches. We've uh, met with them in all kinds of different ways. And... We just don't have a sense of peace that they're the guys that the lord is calling as our senior pastor and we haven't uh, totally cut it off with them yet but we are wondering whether you'd be interested in just starting that conversation with us again and um so i said yes and what's really cool about god's timing and all of that is that with that that was right at the end of me finishing my doctoral project so the thing that would be, the, the thing that sat on my shoulders where it would be inconvenient, the Lord was working out his timing in that. And so um, we began the process and began interviewing uh, again. So just so you know, uh, the process of hiring a pastor takes a long time. And so we talked for about three months, So we were interviewing. And, um, and really quickly, we began connecting the dots of how God was moving, and realized that the Lord was uh, calling us to Texas City. Um, and I say all that to say, and I, honestly, I could I can unpack more reasons, but I'm going to spare you because I don't want us to be here all day. There there are more ways that um, this is God's perfect timing, and we can see God's hand very clearly in how he's leading us where he's leading us, uh, which also gives me confidence knowing that if he's leading us there, then he's also leading someone here. And um, but with all of that, I um, we connected those dots and saw how God was moving and how He was moving us um, there and how ultimately, in hindsight, God's timing was perfect. And so, through the whole process, Um, through, from when the Lord called me into ministry until now, uh, through the years of just continuing in faithful obedience to God, he's been preparing us for the next dot in the grand image that he's painting, that he's making. Um, And and the cool thing about it is that God's painting a beautiful picture that's much bigger than me, it's much bigger than you, it's much bigger than any individual. Um, God is using our faithful obedience to create a beautiful image, and we don't know, like... The Mona Lisa thing earlier. We don't know what the full image is until he's done, until we have been faithful and obedient. And so our role is to faithfully draw the line from the dot we are on to the dot God is calling us to. um, Whether it's something that we rejoice in when he calls us there or it's something that's inconvenient, whatever it may be, God is calling us to, and our role is to be, is to trust him, to trust him and obey him, Knowing that he's painting a beautiful image, does that make sense? Um, so I, I just want to end by saying thank you, uh, church. Uh, if you're a visitor this morning, you're like, what is he talking about with all this stuff? So, uh, um, so we have been here as uh, Karen and I and the girls. Uh, we've been here for four and a half years. The Lord called us here from San Marcos just a few years ago, and. Um, and we, uh, the Lord recently called us to, to move to Texas City, where I'll be taking a position there. And um, in all of that, I just want to say thank you, church. I know that many people aren't here today. It's Christmas Day. But those of you who are here, thank you for your support uh, to our family. Thank you, Cliff and Dan, for all that you have done um, in, in my life. And um, this relationship isn't over. It's just see you later. And, um, and so I just, I'm so, I'm so grateful for this church, and I've seen how this church has changed over the last four and a half years, and how, um, how God really is and, and, and does work through this church in our community, and, uh, and I'm excited to see how he continues to work uh, through all of you. And I bring up again, before I conclude in prayer, I bring up again. I, I do. I just have this feeling that there's someone in this room that has been pushing off the idea that they should go to the mission field. And um, maybe we should talk after. I would love to talk to you about that, or Cliffwood. Um, rather than just being one that sends our funds to missionaries, maybe the Lord is calling you to be the person that goes. And so uh, let's connect that dot this morning as we connect the dots of Christmas. Let me pray for us, and then we'll sing again. Father, you are good, and we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the fact that we can gather together on Christmas Day. Um, what better opportunity and time to worship you than on Christmas Day? And so, um, Lord, I ask that in this time of transition, in this time of, of movement, and how We're not only transitioning uh, with my family, but we're moving into a new year. We're moving into a new season um, as a church. And so, Father, I just ask that um, you woo us and bring us close to yourself. You help us to see how you're working in our lives. And you give us the confidence to act obediently as we connect the dots of where you're calling us and what, what beautiful image you're painting through our lives, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.